1: Jumba.
2: If I could get a martini right now, it's 1130 in the morning, but if I could just have one right now, oh my gosh, would it solve so many problems for me?
0: I mean, a donut and a martini could really turn this shit
2: around. Do you like donuts? Because I love donuts. Yeah, of
0: course. I do not
2: eat donuts, but I love donuts. You love don't Wait, that doesn't make sense. You love donuts, but you don't eat them.
0: I don't work this hard for these abs to eat <laughs> again.
2: Hey, what's going on? It's me, Roscoe, founder and host of Build for the Stage, an online training program that helps actors to train like athletes. If you're an actor, you're an athlete. So start training like one. Head on over to the website BillForthestage.com. Try out a free trial, no catch, no gimmicks. Just fill out your name, the date you want to start that trial, and you can see what it's all about to train with Bill for the Stage. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a comment, and make sure to rate the podcast as well. That'd be a great help. If you want to check us out on Instagram, it's at Bill for the Stage, and you can also find us on Facebook, Bill for the Stage. Or you can go to at EFTS Broadway on Twitter. All right. As always, exciting guest. We have from Playbill, the editor in chief. We have the host of Today in Theater History. We have the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Pikert. What's up, Mark?
0: I love that you hesitated right before my last name, but you got it right.
2: Uh, no, no hesitation. Piker, I got I got I've been listening to your stuff for
0: Years, I I kind of forgot that I now say my name quite frequently. Hello, Joe Roscoe.
2: I first was introduced to you through I think your Instagram lives on Fridays through uh, through Playbill, like a maybe a year and a half or two ago. Uh, what a we were, time that was when we were allowed to be next to each other, you know, and you you and uh, Felicia used to sit next to each other. And you'd talk and gab for a while. And then about five minutes in or so, you'd bring your guest on. You guys would scoot over on the couch. You weren't socially distanced. You were just chatting away.
0: Those were truly glory days. And now, and now we know we need to appreciate them when they come back.
2: And now here we are on the unofficial sponsor of the Broadway Podcast Network's squad cast, um, whatever that is. Oh rooting for you guys squad cast. Hopefully you guys make a boom, start chasing after, uh, zoom over there. But, um, we have Mark on the podcast today because as mentioned, he is the host of today in theater history, which is a part of the Broadway podcast network. And every Monday he releases an episode to just, fill us in about the history of Broadway and how it is relevant to the current date um, that the podcast might be released. So we here at Build for the Stage are about to release a podcast series that highlights musicals and plays on Broadway that have directly involved fitness. So when I was thinking about how I wanted to get this series kicked off, I thought, Let's run through these pieces together before we get started individually. And who better to have than a historian, a Broadway connoisseur, Mark Pikard? So, Mark, our first um, musical that we're going to highlight is Rocky. Okay? I'm a huge Rocky fan. I've, I've watched Rocky movies my whole life. My dad had these like framed eight by tens in our basement of Sylvester Stallone. And um yeah, so we're gonna highlight Rocky. Is that cool with you? Uh
0: absolutely. I also had eight by tens of Sylvester Stallone, but for very different reasons growing up.
2: What <laughs> <laughs> do you have any favorites of uh uh Sylvester Stallone's work or do you just primarily like the pictures?
0: Uh, You know, he did this really weird movie that I cannot remember the name of now where he played a 1930s gangster.
2: Wow. Uh, It was a
0: comedy. Uh, I've always
2: been partial to that one. Uh, So I want to talk about when they made Rocky into a musical. There's much to talk about. Um, But at the very end, they, I saw it live. They did this immersive experience where the ring kind of comes out into the audience a bit. They have these guys dressed as like security that come out and escort certain audience members onto the stage to watch the, the fight. You saw this? Did you get to see this? I did. And what was your experience with that? Were you one of the people up on the stage?
0: Oh, no. I, no, I was not. <laughs> I was in the audience. I was quite close to when the ring came out over the audience. Uh, Not close enough to get Andy Carl's sweat on me, but close enough to uh, yearn. Uh, (laughs) it, It was an amazing theatrical moment. I think that that is one of the reasons that that show is still talked about as much as it is. And it was also the first time I had ever been in the Winter Garden because I never saw Mamma Mia.
2: Wow! Really, so that was thrilling as well. All the years you had to go see that show, and you never made it. I never made it. I have I have some stories about Mama Mia, but I'll tell them to you privately after this recording is done. Um, do you have, as as a, a theater buff, do you have any other favorite shows, or just not favorite, just memories of other shows that have kind of done something to transform the house of the theater to create a different experience
0: why yes i do uh (laughs) but before i talk about that i do want to point out that Andy carl drank multiple raw eggs on stage in rocky every performance wow which that's commitment and good for him
2: and he never, and he's still living to this day to tell about it.
0: He is still extant, yes.
2: No Salmonella poisoning or anything like that
0: that we know of
2: that we know of. Well, hopefully, um, we can get somebody on uh, coming up here to talk about how they trained for the show and how they were able to drink those eggs every day with Andy Carl. So
0: but, uh, yeah, I mean, back to the question about theaters transforming themselves for different shows. Uh, One of my favorite weird nerdy things is the Imperial Theater uh, became the Russian nightclub for Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. 50, 60 years earlier, the Imperial Theater had a swimming pool added to the stage for the musical Wish You Were Here, which featured a lot of extremely attractive fit gentlemen uh, in swimsuits running around. Yeah. Also a big childhood favorite of mine. Uh, I sound quite (laughs) old, but I'm really not. And the crazy thing is the two set designers of those two shows are related. I think it was Rachel Hawk did the set design for uh, Natasha Pierre. And I think it was her grandfather who did the set design for Wish You Were Here.
2: I mean, wow. You just came out with, a bang on that first show. You are living up to the hype of me wanting to bring you onto this show. Okay, cool. All right, guys. So Rocky, be on the lookout for that. We're going to have a guest that was a part of the uh, Rocky Broadway show. We'll talk about their training and how they got prepped to be in the musical Rocky. All right, moving on. Legally Blonde.
0: First of all, Legally, Legally Blonde is one of my favorite musicals. I loved it. I lost my mind for it. Uh, I remember talking on the phone with someone at work about how much I loved it. And I said, I can't even express with words. Hold on a second. And I pulled up the photo booth app, took a photo of myself talking on the phone and sent it to her. And this was the face, which I love a visual on a podcast. (laughs) It was a pink cotton candy candy cloud that I could not get enough of. I listened to that cast album so so much. It is a great walking around cast album. It is a great gym workout cast album. And when Brooke comes out, and I think it was the beginning of Act Two or somewhere early in Act Two, and sings Whip It with the jump rope, and then it turns into it's just. It is an amazing moment. And that Jerry Mitchell choreography is so on point.
2: I I can't wait to chat on this episode about it because uh the Whippet scene was just like fitness at its you couldn't get any more fitness-e on a stage. Like they were giving you choreo, but they, at the same time they're like. How are they doing this advanced jump rope choreo, singing and doing everything else they're doing on the stage at the same time? It was amazing. And I am so pumped that you love Legally Blonde. For those of you listening, when I emailed back and forth a bit with Mark and I told him one of the shows would be Legally Blonde, I, this, is, this is actually the exact words. I'm reading them right now. I always love this musical for how they took a story that would appear to be surfaced fluff but somehow successfully brought depth to Elle and how you truly invest in her story. And I was like, parentheses, not sure your feelings on the musical, but those are mine. And he he shares the same feelings. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you.
0: I'm here to validate your feelings about Legally Blonde.
2: How do you think they successfully did that? How did they take this fluff movie and, and somehow make you have this like connection with the character? Well, I think that the
0: movie has more depth than we remember because now it's just become background noise. It airs on like TBS so often that it's not anything that we look at with fresh eyes anymore. And we just remember Reese Witherspoon in a pink dress or Reese Witherspoon dressed as a Playboy bunny. So I think there was always the depth in the story there. But also, this is what musicals do. Musicals can add emotional depth because characters, when they can no longer speak, break into song. And I think hearing hearing songs like Emmett singing Chip on My Shoulder, where he shares his backstory and what his life has been like. And then hearing, it's one of the few musicals I can think of, few musical comedies I can think of, where the title song is actually a very heartbroken ballad. Because the first time she sings Legally Blonde, she is packing, she is crying, she is saying goodbye, she is leaving Harvard. And then you get the fabulous remix where everybody is dancing and, Kate Schindel hits that insane high note on shoes. I can't even begin to figure out how she did that eight times a week. Uh, so I think the song's certainly out of the depth. And then also that cast was stacked. Laura Bell Bundy was fantastic as L. Christian Borle was Emmett. Kate Schindel was Vivian. You had Annalie Ashford, Leslie Kritzer. And Leslie Kritzer, this is such a deep cut. Leslie Kritzer's moment with the turkey during the calendar as you're seeing the days pass and she's up at the top of the stage and she did something with like a uh, menorah for the holidays and then there was a turkey for thanksgiving and whatever she did i was like her i want to see her in everything mm. i love that
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper
2: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Okay, guys. So Legally Blonde will be our uh, second show that we'll be talking about. We'll be mostly highlighting the Whippet jump rope scene. So just wanted to chat a bit about it with Mark here. Okay, next one will be Bring It On, another movie musical, um, and another very... Just impressive feat of fitness on the stage with these tumblers, with the lifts that they did. I wanted to ask from you if you had the inside scoop on the casting of this show and if these were primarily all musical theater performers or if casting went outside of that realm and kind of recruited some true cheerleaders to be and Bring It On. So
0: what's crazy about Bring It On is one, it's one of the first musicals where becoming a triple threat is no longer enough. You have to almost be a quadruple threat because within the span of a decade, it was uh, Bring It On with the acrobatics and the gymnastics. It was Pippin with the circus skills. There are so many things that now actors do on stage. And I'm constantly in awe. I'm constantly in awe every time I find out that an actor can sing well. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal can sing. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's incredible. So perhaps I am not the best arbiter of what is impressive or what is not. (laughs) But the thing about that cast that always sticks out in my mind is that cast is an insane future star, like an insane list of star-to-be's. Taylor Louderman. Adrian Warren, Ariana DeBose, Jason Gauté, uh Ryan Redmond, Kate Rockwell. Like all of these people are doing an amazing job on Broadway right now. And all of these huge leading roles. And it was just like, bring it on, which was on a tour and then came to New York for like a brief stop on a tour. And then ultimately ended up running on Broadway for a couple of
2: months. How about a memory that you've had of, like you had said, an actor that can actually sing? (laughs) What other shows have you seen in the past that have kind of pulled out all the stops and just literally made you drop your jaw in how impressive it is that not only are they a musical theater actor, but they're able to do what they're doing on the stage? Do any other shows come to your mind?
0: I mean, I think. When I think about jaw-dropping musical experiences, and it might just be because it's the last show I saw before the shutdown, I think of Six and what those women do on that stage. And there isn't a ton of choreo. There's just enough. The point is not that they are the most skilled dancers, but just the costumes are great and their vocals are just insane. I mean, that's a workout. Just doing those riffs and hitting those notes is a workout. But I think about every time I see a musical with big, splashy production numbers, because there, isn't, there aren't that many. So when Billy Elliot premiered, I was like, I had no idea that I was dying to see a huge tap number in a Broadway show again. And yet here we are. Mm. Uh, the jump rope scene with the Christmas lights in Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn. I think about that all the time, too. And Bryce Pinkham recently was uh, doing an interview with Playbill and we asked about watching that number. And he said, right up until Tech, I was part of that number and I was jumping the the rope. And then the choreographer, to his credit, said, you know what, why don't you just watch? We'll have someone else do it. And I said, and that's why he got a Tony nomination for that, making those hard calls. Mm. Uh, But... Also, I think the more that I'm talking about it and really thinking, I think the thing that astounded me the most in the recent past in terms of choreography and what people are capable of doing that many times on stage a week, the share Show. That Dark Lady tango was just insane. Oh, and Chris Catelli, should have been nominated for a Tony. It was a shame that he wasn't. It, it,
2: I, I was able to see it. Um, Ashley Blair Fitzgerald, who is the dark lady and 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 is the dancer who won the Cheetah Rivera Award for Best Female Dancer in a Musical. Um, I told her before she even won the award. I told her at the time I had never seen a Broadway show twice, and I told her just for that number I would go back to see the Cher show because. Her performance with those guys, the partnering that they did, was phenomenal. Just, it was like the equivalent of the NBA slam dunk contest where you just sit there and you're thinking, what's the craziest thing I could do right now to just get a 10-10-10 from the judges? And that was Ashley Blair Fitzgerald up there on that stage.
0: I, it is the show that I've seen the most on Broadway. I saw it four times. (laughs) I I just couldn't get enough. And also like it's, I have a whole thing about the Share show. I, I have a whole Ted talk basically about the Share show, which I will spare you. But uh, please let me know if you want to hear it privately later. Uh,
2: Of course, we were talking earlier about a much needed happy hour. So I guess that will be one of our topics of conversation. All right, so let's move on um, from... That was Bring It On, by the way. That was Bring It On. Um, Bringing it back to Bring It On. Um, Our next show is going to be Damn Yankees, uh, the baseball musical. Um, Obviously, fitness is involved. You have uh, pro athletes as actors on the stage also playing pro baseball players. So you, you fact check me as I'm talking about it, but I think it was 1994 shoeless Joe the number is phenomenal and Vicki Lewis's voice is slaying up there I am like this woman I am obsessed right now the the tumbling the physicality she's like up on a second story set piece of some some uh, some type and she just free falls from it as the guys catch her it was amazing what's
0: wild to me is she has not done that many Broadway musicals. Mm. She did damn Yankees. She did Uh, Chicago and I, and she did Anastasia recently. And I always think of her as one of the great singers on Broadway, but I think it's really just based on that Tony awards performance (laughs) because what she is doing is crazy and just belting that song out. Like her life depended on it. And, I always think when I when I think about smash, which is frequently <laughs> and in the pilot, everyone's like, oh, everybody loves a baseball number. I always think of Cheerless Joe from Hannibal Mo because that is the quintessential. Let's use bats to let's use bats in our choreography.
2: Her vibrato I'm also obsessed with.
0: And also the movie, the original movie where Gwyn Verdon and Ray Walston reprise their performances from the. Broadway production, really worth checking out. One is one of the; it's the only time that Gwen Verdon had a leading role in a movie, at her peak as a dancer, and two, it's just it's a fun show. It's a really fun show, and she's gorgeous and heartbreaking. And what in that revival is BB Newworth in a blonde wig, playing
2: Lola. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, moving on. Next, uh, next one we're gonna do is. Lombardi, Um, I actually got to see this and um, it was a, I remember enjoying it. It, It's, it has Judith light in it. I love Judith, Judith light. She is, I love her. I love her. So getting the chance to see her live was a dream for me. Um, And obviously there's the football players up there. So we're going to highlight with some of them just how they got physically prepared for the show. But what I wanted to chat with you about is other uh, either biographical pieces or sport pieces that you've seen on the stage. Um, yeah.
0: There are a lot more plays about sports than you would think, considering that Broadway has a reputation for like, oh, we don't like sports. We actually all like sports. Like Everybody calm down. So there was a Lombardi about uh, Vince Lombardi And all I remember of the play, honestly, which I very much enjoyed at the time, but all I remember of the play or the memory that stands out the most is Judith Light with a martini glass. And whether or not she held a martini glass at any moment in that show, that is what I remember. So, (laughs) What I'm saying is Broadway likes sports, but some of us like sports more and some of us like martinis more. Uh, But right around then, it was Lombardi. It was the Bronx Bombers. It was about a baseball team. Because Broadway loves baseball. But then we had basketball with uh, Magic Bird. Yeah. About the rivalry between Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, which was short-lived, but I saw it. And I spent a lot of that show terrified that a basketball was going to fly off the stage and hit me in the face.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: But even there are plays about 10. I mean, uh, Angela Lansbury and Marion Seldes starred in Deuce on Broadway about two two old uh, professional tennis players. Um, Sorry, not old, elderly. Two elderly former professional tennis players watching (laughs) a match. Uh, It's it's a very strange phenomenon. And honestly, I feel like maybe Playbill even has a listicle about like 12 times that sports were represented on a Broadway stage. Mm, So I advise everyone to Google that and fact check me, see if we do. And if we don't, I'll make one.
2: I had those same thoughts when I was bringing this up in the list, and a lot of—not a lot of them. Let's be fair. Rocky's boxing, Legally Blonde, not sport. Bring it on! I guess is sport because of uh, the cheerleading. Definitely a sport. Did you see the documentary on Netflix about um, oh, what was it called? Cheer. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Holy cow! Like that. That's some dangerous stuff there. So I definitely give give it to cheerleaders as always about being athletes and damn Yankees baseball, Lombardi football. So I'm going through this list and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't want to be the, the fitness trainer that's of course talking about sports plays. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you kind of um, affirmed me in the fact that, or reaffirmed, that we have lots of plays and musicals about sports. And the fact of the matter is, is that whether you like sports or not, they always produce great stories, whether that's the underdog, whether that's the companionship of unity in a team. Um, and, yeah, we always want to see someone face adversity and then overcome it. And that's kind of the essence of, of sports. Adversity, overcoming adversity. Um, and also yeah. the thesis of most Broadway musicals. Exactly. So you can't like musicals and not like sports and vice versa. What else should we talk about? That's going to be our list. Let's just do a fun thing. If you were to cast yourself in one of these shows or not real, not realistically, or like, like a dream, like who, what character, man, female, anyone, young, old, Which character would you want to play out of this list, do you think? I think I know who you're going to say. Judith Light as Vince Lombardi's wife with her martinis in Lombardi. If I could get a martini right now, it's 1130 in the morning, but if I could just have one right now, oh my gosh, would it solve so many problems for me? I mean, a donut and
0: a martini could really turn this shit around.
2: Do you like donuts? Because I love donuts.
0: Yeah, of course. I do not eat donuts, but I love donuts.
2: You love don't Wait. That doesn't make sense. You love donuts, but you don't eat them.
0: I don't work this hard for this for these abs to eat. No. A <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, that's going to do it with Mark Piker. Once again, he is the editor-in-chief in Playbill, Yes, but he's also the host of Today in Theater History. That's a part of the Broadway Podcast Network. So please go and subscribe to his podcast. Go ahead and learn some lessons of history and theater. And uh, yeah. Go show them off to your friends at Happy Hour about all the knowledge you've acquired during his podcast. So thanks again, Mark, for being on the show. Looking forward to doing our series about fitness on the Broadway stage. All right. Once again, go to the website builtforthestage.com if you want to try out the actor-athlete fitness training that actors on Broadway, on tours, at the West End, so on and so forth, are taking part in. It's me, Roscoe signing off